Thanks for tuning in to JR's Hunt for Life Suicide Prevention Podcast, Safe Talk, with Jenny Hunter and Billy Floyd, where there are no judgments and talk saves lives. What is up, everybody? Welcome, welcome to another episode of Safe Talk. We have a wonderful podcast episode for you today. My name is Billy Floyd. I'm alongside the greatest of all time. Her name, Jenny Hunter. Of course you know the name. Jenny, what is up? Hey, Billy. Well, good to talk to you again. Good to see all of our listeners here and hoping that we can bring some more enlightenment on the subject of suicide and suicide prevention help people out there. And as you so uh, succinctly put it, we're doing this to help others. That That is the only reason we're doing this. It's not because we're trying to ingratiate ourselves or anything else. We are trying to help others save lives, right? That's the only mission. We got to be useful to other people. That is key. It's never going to be about us. Don't make it about you. It's about how you can help other people, how you can be of use to others, to those who could possibly need it. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we share this wisdom and this knowledge. Jenny, we're going to crush it again today. And everybody who's listening, I'm sure you know the deal by now. If you ever want to be a part of the conversation, if you ever have any questions, talking points that you want us to discuss on this show please feel free to send anything you want over to me personally. You can send it to my email, williampeariedfloyd214 at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at the handle at OneBillyFloyd, Facebook as well. Whatever it takes, just send it on over if you need us to talk about it or if you just need to talk to us in general. And, Jenny, how can people get connected with you? I totally agree with you, Billy. We just want people to reach out to us. We want to help them. So I can be found at JR's Hunt for Life on most social platforms. My personal email is jlh35 at hotmail.com. Uh, also, uh, Facebook is included in those platforms, and you can reach out anonymously or message me through Facebook. There's a myriad of ways to reach either one of us, and I'm waiting. I'm just waiting to hear from you. <laughs> well, we're going to be proactively patient, meaning we're going to wait while we work towards making our dreams a reality. And if we're going to make that happen, we got to get this podcast episode locked in. Let's start it up. Jenny, we've been talking about this for the past several episodes now. It's been a fantastic discussion. We've been talking about things people said that were actually code for I'm suicidal. There are 22 total things that we need to get through. We've already gotten through 11 of them. We are rocking and rolling here. Uh, Jenny, do you want to read off quickly the 11 that we've talked about and then hop right into number 12? 
Absolutely. So before I do that, let me say that these are in random order. There's no specific uh, one through 10, 10 is the worst. No, these are all in random order. They're not ranked. Uh, if in case you are triggered, which I don't like that word, but if you feel um, if, if you don't like what you're hearing and it's causing some upset, please set it aside and come back at any time because these podcasts are here all the time. Um, also, um, let me say that if anyone, anyone has any code words or phrases they would like to share with us, please do that. Reach out to Billy or myself or on one of our podcasts. You can email us. Please let us know because in doing that, you will be helping others to recognize when someone is suicidal. So let me start with, number one, I'm just tired. Number two, I just want to be done. Number three, I just want to sleep. Number four, I can't keep doing this. Number five, I just want to be alone. Number six, I want to go home. Turn the page. Number seven, if anything happens to be promised to take care of, whoever, whatever. Number eight, I'm just stressed out. Number nine, I'm having a hard time. Number 10, no one cares. Number 11, I don't care. And today's first one, number 12, what will heaven be like? Now, I know people are wondering, what the heck? Why would those be code words? What, what's going on there? Well, let me tell you this. I heard this from our son. I heard, I have heard this from other people. They want to know the stance of the Bible on suicide, taking your life. Um, let me read what one person said. At the time when I was dealing with suicidal thoughts, I was very religious. And I would often engage people at my church conversations about heaven, what we thought it might be like how much better it would be than here, and how much I wanted to be there. My church didn't believe that suicide was an automatic ticket to hell. So thinking about heaven was equivalent to me thinking about how much better off I would be if I were dead. My beliefs were quite are quite different now, but themes of a possible afterlife could definitely be a warning sign and that is so true so when someone randomly just like randomly or or maybe not even randomly asks you what will heaven be like what what do you think the bible says about heaven what what happens if you don't die naturally what happens if you do take your life those type of questions are as this person said they could definitely be a warning sign they were for this person you know, it shows that this person is actually caring about or believing in eternity, believing that either they're going to have eternal pain or eternal joy. And that tells me that people that are in pain don't want more of it. They, they don't want to be in pain. They're in, in eternity, and they're exploring that fact, and they want to be assured that they'll be out of this pain if, if they do choose to end their life. This pain will be over, and they will be in heaven, and they're investigating it. They're exploring it, and uh, like I said, our 
our son did do that, and this was prior to me understanding any of this. Um, I did uh, talk to him quite often about it. Um, he did do his own, as I found out, his own investigating of it, so to speak. And, you know, I, my question is, would would this stop anyone from taking their life? If they believed in heaven or hell, would this stop anyone? Now, surely, if they didn't want to be in any more pain, to me, they it it might stop them from ending their life um and and it it to me that could be one way to help someone uh if they are suicidal to reassure them that you know maybe maybe not reassure them that's the wrong word i mean let's say that a person is asking you about heaven or hell um and if they took their life or if someone takes their life, what, where are they going to go? What's going to happen? Well, to me, that would instantly, I would be afraid to tell them, oh, well, you know, I don't believe that if you're suicidal that you're going to go to hell. I believe God is a gracious and merciful father, and I believe you'll go to heaven. To me, that would be giving them the green light. Now, I... I I don't know what that would mean to anyone else, but I don't want to give anyone the green light. However, I don't want them to be in pain their entire life either. So that's something to think about. Also, another person said, but she used to say, soon I'll be home with my heavenly father. That was meaning she was going to end her life. She was going to go home to her heaven was home she those were her code words soon i'll be home with my heavenly father so she believed that taking her life ending her life would not send her to hell she believed that she would be going home to heaven where there would be no more pain and you know billy these people are so distraught and in so much internal pain and confusion and other things going on in their lives. I I can understand that they want to be out of that pain and that confusion and they don't want to have it go on forever. So what are your thoughts on this one, number 12? You know, I think when it comes to 12, um, I remember being a kid and Sometimes I would go to bed, and before I'd fall asleep, I would think in my head, like, what is heaven like? Like, what is it like? Like, what does it look like? Who's there? How do I find people? What's the lighting? What am I wearing? I was genuinely curious because you hear so much about heaven and the afterlife, and you're just aware that, hey, you know, life on this planet doesn't last forever. So there's something that happens afterwards. So I would always wonder, like, what is it like? And, you know, sometimes it would, like, scare me because it's like, why am I thinking about this so much? Because I don't, I don't want to be dead. I want to be here. I want to be present. I want to be locked in. I want to live a great life. But I remember being a kid and asking, like, you know, my parents, my grandparents, elders, like, what is heaven? What is it like? Why do we go there? What goes on there? I think as a child, most of us are curious about it. 
And I understand when, when kids want to ask questions. I was always very curious. Um, and even even now as adults, like, we can still be curious about what it is. And I never thought of it in a way where it was like, okay, if someone says that, you know, they might be suicidal. It's like I just hear someone question it or wonder, and and maybe they're just straight up curious. But now I guess if you take a deeper look into the individual and who's saying it and what's going on with this person while they're saying it, I guess death might be on their mind. And if death's on their mind, maybe they could be considering taking their life. So now I am pretty aware that this is, you know, a code and it's a signal and you got to take note of it. But it's, it's crazy because I vividly remember always wondering what it was like. And honestly, when, when I asked people, I remember asking my parents, like I said, elders, grandparents, they assumed I was just curious too. Like they never asked me like, why are you wondering about this? Like, are you thinking like they never thought that I was considering suicide or anything. I think they just assumed that I was a curious kid wanting to know what was going on up there. Um, that's the way I kind of see it. Does that make sense? It, yeah, it definitely makes sense because, you know, as children, you do hear about heaven and hell and Sunday school and all those things. And, yes, as children, we are very curious. And I think that that is a topic of discussion um, because we don't know what it's like other than what the Bible tells us is like. And there again, I think this is where we have to take the totality of the evidence, the circumstances, the person who's saying it to us. Is it like we're having a conversation or an outing or something, and then all of a sudden this subject comes up? It's like, where did this come from? Why are we, why are you asking me about this? You know? So there again, a lot of these um, codes, and that's what they are. They're codes. They're, they're code phrases and code words that People aren't generally just coming out and saying, I'm going to take my life. I'm thinking about suicide. No, they're going to throw those codes out, those words out. And, yeah, we aren't going to know what they mean unless we do some investigation, unless we ask them, hey, um, so why are you so curious about this? What's going on? Whatever the case may be. So, yes, as I totally understand, um, that you as a child and many of us wonder wonder what this is like. What is this heaven thing? Where is it? Why can't we see it? I mean, can we drive to it? Is it a town? I mean, all of those things that you wonder as a child, you know, uh, the innocence of it. So, yes, I totally get that. Um, so number 12 is something that we are going to – understand is code and we're going to listen to it in the text of the conversation the situation the person like you said and we're we're just going to keep it in our minds that this could be a code phrase for them and it's easy enough to ask them it's just easy enough to ask on any of these what can we can you elaborate a little bit on this what what are you interested in? What can I, you know, what can I help you with? So I can we move on to 13? 
Yes. Let's take a quick commercial break. Let's get a quick word from the local sponsors. And then when we come back, we will jump right into number 13. Okay, all right. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our words from our local sponsors. We are rocking and rolling here with the codes. We have now done 12 total. We've done one today. The one we just discussed was what will heaven be like? We are now on to number 13, and this is where I will ask Jenny Hunter take it away (laughs) all right so number 13 is i should just kill myself okay that to me is pretty shocking if i were to hear that that would be pretty shocking to me and i would instantly be all over that however this person said they were joking me joking about me killing myself in any way is honestly a red flag for when i feel like i want to die And while I'm mostly joking, it's also a code for how much I want to be dead. Now, he says it. He says that he's saying it in a joking way. Uh, So, to me, he's joking around. It's not going to be something that he says seriously. So, who's going to take it seriously? But, however, even if I heard someone jokingly say that. Now, maybe it's just my background, what we've been through. Um, I would take that very seriously. I mean, who's going to randomly joke about killing themselves? I, I, I wouldn't, and I don't know. I just, I don't think I've ever heard this from anyone. Um, to me, If someone says those words out loud, it shows that they're thinking about suicide. That's that's just the way I feel about it. And I do know that when I teach QPR, which is a suicide prevention training, that we go into some things that people say that uh, you may take as as a joke, like let's say someone doesn't get uh, invited to prom. A high school person doesn't get invited to prom. And this person, you you know, this person says before they know they're getting invited or whatever, they say, if I don't get invited to prom, I'm just going to kill myself. Or, (laughs) excuse me, if I don't make the football team, I'm just going to kill myself. Things like that. So you have to take that in the context again of, how you're hearing it, what they're talking about. Um, but this phrase, I should just kill myself, is more of a direct phrase. It's not hinging on whether I'm invited to prom or whether I make the football team or whether <clears throat> I get the job or whatever it is. The phrase, I should just kill myself, shows intent. To me, the intent is clearly there, and I would definitely 
I, you know, you kind of have to, I don't think you can ever be prepared to hear any of these phrases and what, how you would respond to them because it all, you know, it depends on how your day is going too and where your mind is and all that kind of stuff. But I would definitely get deeper into that one and say, whoa, 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 what, what, what do you mean by that? I know you're joking, but to me, um, that's kind of a serious thing. So let can you tell me a little more about that? And also, another person said, in general, making jokes about dying or being suicidal is what she does. It. She does it in general. Sometimes these people that I'm talking to know I'm serious because people know me well enough, but sometimes not. So she says it, and she says it, in general, not in in a joking manner. Um, and she may joke about it, but generally it's not, you know, she knows that the people she's around, um, they know she's not kidding. They They know she's not kidding. And so what are they doing? I mean, it doesn't go into that in these phrases from these people. But, um, I, you know, I, the I would not there again. Just in general, or making jokes in general, I would still. When I hear something like, "I should just kill myself," or "I'm going to kill myself," or whatever the case may be, no, that's not not something I would let pass me by. How about you, Billy? Yeah, you know when I when I hear, um, you know, I should just kill myself. I feel like a lot of people do it, and like you mentioned before, like like a joke, and people don't really realize the severity of it. You know, even when I was a kid and I was in high school, like, you know, high school kids, they say that all the time. Oh, I'm going to kill myself. You know, it doesn't go right, and they, and they say it, and it's just like I, I had a friend, uh, and his father committed suicide, and we weren't really close friends and I wasn't really around him too much until senior year of high school. And I really never said that term that much, but you know, to be honest, I definitely said it in the past when I was younger and people around me said it all the time. Um, and once I really got close with my, my good friend, Jeff, you know, I really just cut it out a hundred percent and I haven't said it in, you know, well, 10 years, eight years or whatever. Um, but it was pretty crazy because I would still witness a lot of people say it around him. And I would just look at him while it happened. And it's like, wow, like this is pretty rough. Like, you know, this this kid had his father gone and, you know, people are saying this. And they're, and they're not trying to be, you know, mean or anything. They literally just can't help it sometimes. And then you think like maybe those kids really are like thinking about it or it's on their mind. Like if you're saying it out loud in any way, no matter what, even if you're joking, even if it's just to be funny, whatever, like it stems from an actual serious thought. Like even if you're not bought into okay. it, you're still thinking about it. Like it's on your mind. And our, our head has, what a hundred million thoughts a day or whatever but like if you're thinking about it it's still on your mind and if it's on your mind it could always turn into something 
more severe if, if the right steps aren't being taken. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm definitely very sensitive to that one for sure because, you know, I know people who have lost those to suicide. Obviously, you, you and your family are the biggest one. Um, but we just want to make sure that anybody who says that, like, and, you know, this is a, this is a good one to talk about too because some of the other ones um, – it might be a little too, like, indirect, some of the others that we've talked about. And this one is mm-hmm. pretty direct, saying I yeah. should just kill myself. So this is the perfect opportunity for a listener or the other person to be like, hey, hey, you know, like, we were over at the lunch table, and, you know, I heard you mention the I should just kill myself. Like, you're joking, right? Like, and if, if you are joking, and I'm sure you are, you know, let's not do that again. But also like, if if you're thinking about it, like, let me know if I could help you in any way. Like, I don't know if this is serious. I don't know if it's a joke, but like, if you are actually thinking about this and you said it and you're trying to hide it as a joke, you know, let me know if if you want to talk because this is serious and I don't want this to get out of hand. And you know what? Sometimes the person who actually said it, they're like, Oh, come on, man. Like, I'm just joking around. Like, don't be silly, but like, you still got to say that to them anyway, because you just really never know. And I would rather be the one that says, hey, like, you know, talk to me. If this is for real, talk to me and get like yelled at, like, you know, the other person trying <laughs> to hide it again. Oh, what the heck? Shut up, dude. Shut up. I'd rather take that than not say anything and like leave a risk out on the table of like, Okay, what if what if they actually do this? Like, I I, I don't even want to get to that level at all. You feel me? Right, absolutely. And you know, even if you do approach them and they say, "Hey, I'm just kidding around. You know, this isn't a real thing." Let me tell you what, they could be covering it up because maybe there's other people around. There's all kinds of situations, and they're not in a position where they're going to confide in you. But as soon as you separate and you leave and the person thinks, wow, this, this person heard me, Billy heard me. I'm maybe I should talk about it. Maybe I should reach out to him and maybe they'll do that in a more quiet setting. So, you know, just because uh, you're thwarted at the initial approach of that person trying to keep them safe does not mean that they're not really thinking about it and they're, they they won't reach out to you because I have had situations where it's been an inopportune time to uh, for someone to confide and things when there's other people around or they're in a rush or whatever. But eventually they will reach out and they have reached out. So, yes, always, always, always reach out when you hear that. That's, that's definitely a telling uh, code phrase. So let's do number 14. Um, I have some things to say about this, number 14. And it is, I can't imagine living the rest of my life like this. Um, now, that's a pretty serious statement. Uh, to me, we're talking about suicide and depression and all these things. So to me, that's where my brain goes. But I don't know if it came up randomly. You you, you would have to ask, what do you mean like this? What What's going on with you? You know, you would have to get a little, a little deeper into this with that person. And 
question them about that. Um, this person says, most people don't get the seriousness behind this statement. When I say I literally can't see past all the problems when she says it, it's hard to think that depression, anxiety are something I have to live with every day for the rest of my life. I just hope to find better ways of coping and dealing with it. So when this person gave her code uh, phrase, she's still trying to find coping methods to live with her depression and anxiety. These are things that don't normally go away. And even though I've never had these uh, symptomatic things, I can tell you an experience of ours. Um, when we first lost our son, we we did not know what to do. We did not know where to go, if we should go. We we had no idea. It was such a a knife in the heart. It was just so traumatic and so uh, debilitating. And life was just what was life. Life was just pain at that point. It was total consuming pain. And I, we went to, we took our daughter, we all went to uh, a group that helped with people that were trying to process the loss of a, of someone in their families from suicide. And in this group, there were people there that had lost people a year or two ago and they were still hurting and they were crying and, you know, it was all, it wasn't chaotic. It was all very orderly, but my daughter, she turned to us and she said, oh my God, is this pain going to last this long? These people have are still going through it and it's been a year or two years, you know, and at that point, and in that perspective, uh, I I became very, very fearful. I mean, I, I wanted to run. I did not. I wanted to escape this pain any way I could escape it. I wanted to get out of there. I wanted to get out of life. I did not want to live another moment with this pain. And it, to me, I've never had a lot of pain in my body physically um, other than, you know, childbirth and normal things like that. And that was painful. <laughs> that was really painful. But this, there was no comparison. Absolutely no comparison. This was the most consuming pain I, I And I remember thinking, do I want to live the rest of my life like this? Do I have to live the rest of my life like this? Do I have to have this pain live with me the rest of my life? And I know all of us, and my husband and my daughter, we were all thinking this. We were, we were just dumbfounded and flabbergasted that this was going to not just go away and get over with. So I totally understand this statement. I can't imagine living the rest of my life like this. Um, even though I'm coming from a different perspective, I totally understand it. And I do empathize with people that do not want to live the rest of their life with whatever circumstances or situation that they 
may be in that causes them to think this or say this. So if I were to hear this statement, yeah, I'd be the first one to say, here's my experience with this. I understand what's going on with you. What's your experience? Because I I can empathize with that. Is that, is that something that makes sense to you? Yeah, it definitely makes sense to me. And when, when I think of, you know, I, I can't imagine living the rest of my life like this. It's like, I I like this one a lot. And I like it a lot because, you know, when I hear it, I hear, okay, I can't imagine living the life for the rest of my life like this. It's like, okay, they can't imagine this. So their life is not ideal. Their life might be rough, it stinks, and it's not good, right? They're clearly saying that this is not it. Well, well, if they're saying this out loud, here I am as the listener, this is another perfect time to spit back and be like, look, okay, you can't imagine this life right now. You can't imagine living it like it is now forever. How can we change this? What can be done? This is the perfect time for someone mm-hmm. to step in and say, look, mm-hmm. we make a change. We can mm-hmm. figure something out. Tell me why you don't want to live like this. Tell me why it's awful. Tell me why you're feeling like this. And mm-hmm. if that person be really brutally honest, like, like honestly say why it sucks, even if it's so dark and disturbing and maybe embarrassing, it doesn't matter. Say it. And then me as the listener or whoever the safe person is can honestly tell them, well, like, here's what you can do. You can, you can stop being around this person. You can stop doing this activity. You can stop this bad habit. You can be more disciplined. And, and hey, you can, you can start working out. You can start looking for a new job. You can, you can start a new journey. You can start reading these great books, listening to these podcasts. It's like, I'm not saying I'm always right. And I'm not saying whoever it is is always right, but there's so many great ideas that people can give to those who don't want to live the life they're living. And it's very simple. I mean, right here, here's some wisdom. If you're in a bad place right now, if you're in a terrible rut, if if life is brutal, the first thing you can do is really make a list of what is holding you back. Is it your mind? Is it your people? Is it your body? Is it your head? Whatever it is. Think about what's holding you back. How can you fix those things or eliminate certain things, certain people, certain experiences, situations, and then think about what you could start doing that would make it better. Now, some of those things that would make it better would take a lot of discipline and dedication, and that could be eating more, eating less, working out, stretching, drinking water, writing, walking, in talking to positive people, whatever it is, like it's hard to be great. It's hard to make positive adjustments, but think about what holds you back. Think about what you're doing that makes your life stink and how you can start to make a better life by getting rid of it and adding what is right. So I like this one a lot because you can really chime in and right away be like, all right, your life stinks. It won't stink forever. Let's make a change. That's the way I see it. Now, 
Kenny, we're, we're wrapping up here uh, on this episode, talking about the signals. We have done 12, 13, and 14. Uh, 15 will probably be the leadoff for next episode. But before we wrap up, uh, do you have any closing statements, anything else you want to say before we say goodbye to our lovely listeners? Well, Billy, I absolutely love your take on number 14. I can't imagine living the rest of my life like this. I love your take on that. I love your um, the way that you approached it. I love the way that you turned it around and you immediately tried to bring hope to someone. I love that. And all you would have to say, well, how can you imagine living the rest of your life? What will, if it's up to you, what would the rest of your life look like? Let's, let's work on ways to make your life look like that, whether it's going back to college or school or training or whatever it is, like you said, let's work on ways. Let's make a list. I love that idea too. Let's make a list of how you can imagine living your life. How can you imagine it? What are the things you're imagining for your life? Where do you suspect that you have missed the mark on that? What can we do about that? And I really love the way that you included yourself in that conversation, and you said we. You included we. So that person doesn't feel like they're totally alone in this. You're a part of their imagining their new life, and you're a part of um, building that for them. I mean, it it may not be just a one-time visit you have with them, or it may be, but at least you can switch that train of thought. I mean, that was like a 180 when you said that to me. It was like, wow, that, you know, when I was in that group thinking I can't, I can't imagine having this pain the rest of my life. I cannot. My mind immediately went to the same thing my son did. I can't imagine this pain. But you saying that, it's like, how how can I, what can I do? How can I reimagine this loss? And that is exactly what we did. We started JR's Hunt for Life, and we reimagined the loss. And now we're helping everyone, and you're helping with us. And I'm so glad that you are, and you bring such great perspective, and that's where I am on this one. So that's all I have to say about it right now. (laughs) Said to perfection. Jenny, thank you so much for all of your wonderful insight, helping everyone across the country here, dealing with what we need to end. we got to end this deal, and we're doing our part by putting out the information, being positive about it, and, of course, always offering our help. So, Jenny, thank you for letting me be a part of this historic journey. Thank you for always sharing greatness with us. And see you next time, Jenny, and everyone listening. Thank you so much for being a part of this journey. We love and appreciate you the most. You've been listening to JR's Hunt for Life Suicide Prevention Podcast Safe Talk with Jenny Hunter and Billy Floyd, where there are no judgments and talk saves lives. Jenny Hunter is the founder of JR's Hunt for Life, a suicide prevention nonprofit movement offering hope and support globally. I'm Billy Floyd. I'm a podcast host, a media broadcaster, and most importantly, a positive 
Influencer. Sounds of Soul Music is courtesy of Fearless Motivation. Find out more about JR's Hunt for Life at jrshuntforlife.org.